0: Hi, I'm Lori. And this is Renee. Welcome to this episode of our podcast, with a little help from my friends. Today we're talking about setting boundaries for your teenagers. And I really think that doesn't start when they are teenagers. Absolutely. I, I think if you're talking about how to get your teenagers to listen to you, you have to get your toddlers to listen to you, and your you know, six and seven-year-olds to listen to you. Because once they are teenagers, if you haven't instilled that in kids... You've missed the boat, and it's you can't make them start talking to you and listening to you when they're teenagers. It's just never going to happen. It's
1: true. I remember when my son was in kindergarten, and he's my oldest, I got a book about how to prevent your child from doing drugs. Oh, and wow. I'm, and I'm thinking, this school is crazy. Why are we talking about say no to drugs when they're mm-hmm. in kindergartners? And then I actually took the book, and I looked at it and started reading through it, and it made me realize. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's not about... Not to do drugs when you're six. It's about setting boundaries and giving your kids choices so they don't feel trapped. Exactly. I mean, a good example would be, and is, is and this was in the book too, this is not me, this is from the book, was that, you know, when your child is in kindergarten or first grade, don't make them dress a certain way. Lay out their clothes and be like, here, you know, here's your clothes, it's cold out today, here's three
0: sweaters, pick a sweater. Right. Just... Make them feel like they're in control Mm -hmm. of their decision-making. So it's all choices you can live with. Whichever sweater they pick is fine with you. Right. In the schools, we call those controlled choices. Okay. So make choices that you can live with whatever they pick, but it's giving them the power to make the decision that's best for them within the boundary that you've set.
1: Exactly. And I think as they get older in grammar school, is that you should know your kids' friends. Yes. Who they are. So, and I think... And also to talk to your kids every day about their day. Now, everyone's different, of course. Some right. people can't
0: talk right away. But um, what's so, a good, what do you think, Laura? Like, what's well, a good time of day to talk to your kids? I've had working in the schools, parents say, I can't get my kid to talk to me. You know, I ask them, and they they're busy, they're playing, they're in their activities. And I say, well, what about bedtime? Mm-hmm. You know, when a kid is, when you're trying to get a little kid to go to sleep, you know, pretty much up till they're teenagers, they, they avoid sleep and they'll, sit on the edge of their bed when the lights are off and just say how was your day Mm -hmm. or is there anything you want to talk about and kids will spill their guts they will tell you anything. right? And I've told that to so many parents and I've had lots of parents come back to me and say, wow, you know, that really works. You know, I talked to my kid and he told me who his friends were and what he did in art class and something that was bothering him and right. something that happened to another kid. Right. Um, they'll open up. You just have to give them the time and the opportunity.
1: And I think it also depends on your child's personality too, because mm-hmm. I had a child, the minute they came from, from school, they'd tell me everything. This happened, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then had another kid, who wouldn't tell, you know, be like, how's your day? Fine, good. I'm like, okay, they need time to de-stress. They Mm -hmm. need to like process everything. That's why I like bedtime. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's why I started doing bedtime with her to be like, okay, so what happened today? Because as they are getting ready for bed and they're, they're still little, they're, they're still, when they're in grammar school,
0: they still look up to your mom and dad. Absolutely. And they also need you to help them learn how to answer those kinds of questions. And, teach them to have conversations you know I know some families you know at the dinner table go around and say tell us something that made you happy today Mm. or tell me something that you learned today exactly tell me something kind you did for somebody else today yeah and that instills that how do you talk to other people right we don't teach that as much as we should yeah and if we want kids to be able to talk to us when they're older we need to teach them how when they're younger and I mean, and I
1: think also in this day and age with all the kids and all their activities, I always made a point to have a. I would sit there with my child while they ate. So if one child had an activity at, at you know, and they had to be mm-hmm. out of the house by five o'clock, so they had to eat an early dinner at like four When they were eating dinner at 4 o'clock, I would sit with them Mm -hmm. and say what was the best part of your week. Because to have an actual family dinner, to have four or five people to sit down on a Tuesday is not realistic. It's very difficult. Yeah, Yeah. it's not realistic at all. That's a Saturday or Sunday thing. But my point is that I would never just, like, throw food at my kids, like, hurry up and eat, let's go. I mean, of course, there were days like that. But in general, it was like, oh, it's 4 o'clock, my older one has to eat, ate dinner, Mm -hmm. because the other one is at activity. Come back, bring the younger one home. She's eating her dinner, and then maybe I we eat dinner with her because it's later. Right. But regardless, I always made sure someone was sitting at the dinner table. And the other thing, which this happened a lot, was that when my husband came home from work, they're already done eating, right? Because they're younger. Exactly. If they and if they were done with their activities, they would come and sit down and talk to dad, have a family conversation. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So the four of us would sit down. He's the one eating dinner. But even if it was Mm -hmm. like ten minutes.
0: It was just reconnecting. Exactly. And, and that taught them a very valuable lesson. It was, exactly. You make time to talk to people that are important to you. Exactly. And I've, when I've had families say, oh, well, they're 18. I can't tell them what to do anymore. Well, if you're still paying the bills, whether they're living in your house and have a part-time job or they're going away to school, if you're still the one paying the bills, you're still the one who can have demands and expect have expectations. But it shouldn't feel... I, I let's right. back up here. It yeah. shouldn't feel like a demand or, no, or an expectation it because it already should have been instilled with exactly. them in them at the beginning. You can't teach that when they're sixteen, seventeen, exactly, eighteen, exactly. Growing up, my my mom had two things that she always taught us. She always taught us when we were kids that trust takes a lifetime to build and a second to break. And if we, she always taught us the value of keeping her trust. And if we said something, being a person of your word. If you say right. something, if I say I'm going to be. You know, down the street at a friend's house, uh, she expected me to be down the street at a friend's house, and that was even when I was nine or ten. You know, right. those kinds of things. And then, um, because we had that built-in conversation and built-in trust, and right. I knew that I could make choices, but I knew how to make responsible choices, right? Because I was taught how. Exactly. Then, um, kind of fast-forwarding to now, how do you continue this when your kids are teenagers? Well that's exactly right.
1: well that's exactly it. They all, I mean and also some of the things you have to teach them so by the time they are in high school, it's already embedded in them. Exactly. And I remember someone gave me advice at a at a friend's house where she said, Oh, your oldest is in fifth grade? I'm like, Yeah, so they're gonna be starting middle school soon. So middle school I I mean, unfortunately, I I never thought I would give my kids a cell phone in grammar school. Right. But but everybody uh, has them. Literally, my, my kids got them in fifth grade, and they were the last ones. Mm-hmm. So I, it's ridiculous. I don't agree with it, but unfortunately, we can, we kind of succumb to the pressure at the very end. But yeah. anyway, with that being said, what they told me was that you should teach them that when they're in middle school... Middle school is the time where they become more social, right? So they're going right. out with their friends. They said you should teach them to text you where they're going to be. Exactly. Now, this is before smartphones and Life360 and all these tracking apps. So right. it really was... He had to tell me where he was. I still didn't exactly. know where I was, so I taught both my kids that. So in middle school, they were so used to texting me where they were going that in high school it was
0: automatic. Right. And granted, it was a demand, but they didn't feel. But it was they demanding. didn't because it was already just part of their routine. Right.
1: right. And that's
0: I think the thing is the when to get your kid to talk to you, ask them questions. If you say, "How was your day?" and they say, "Fine," what did you do? I don't know, not much well, tell me something you learned in social studies today. Tell me something, you know, that happened at recess. Right. If you do those things when they're younger, then they'll expect those things when they're older. And when they're in high school and you say, tell me what happened today, you know, did you see anybody doing any, was there anybody bullying anybody? If you ask the questions, they'll expect those questions and they won't brush them off like a teenager because they know – part of the routine conversation exactly in your house
1: and along the lines of knowing
0: your kids friends
1: too like we mm-hmm. said it's really important to know their friends because then you can say well you know how was Susie today did you see did you see her at lunch or you know how was is, how is Rick did you see
0: Rick at lunch so that way you can have a, something specifically to ask them to talk to them about exactly. it too and when you have those conversations as part of your family routine you're going to know if your kids are Doing drugs or yep. drinking you 're going to know because you 're going to be able to tell yeah. you know when your kids get home at night, you know if, even if it 's late, be awake, yeah. be present, talk to them, turn on the light, look in their eyes, listen yeah. to their words, listen to how they 're speaking you 're going to know yeah if they 're drunk you 're going to know if they 've done some sort of drug because you 're going to be able to tell because you do that every night, right. so that expectation is there it 's automatic. Well, um, the, as, like on the weekends when they go out with friends
1: and stuff, and you tell them, "Well, I'm like I'm, I might be in bed, but you still have to come in and say goodnight yes. to me." I know a lot of people who do that. So when they come, so when your kids do come in and you talk to them for a couple minutes, you can tell if they're slurring, if
0: exactly. their eyes are
1: red. You can smell mm-hmm. alcohol, or the problem is you can't smell jeweling because no. that's something that. But you a can look in their feeling.
0: eyes, and you can know if exactly. their eyes are bloodshot or. Well, you anything.
1: hope that. I guess you could hope that. I mean, I guess what we said is that these are tips that I think that you and I have found personally and Mm -hmm. you found it professionally being
0: effective. But unfortunately, sometimes kids just get into drugs. They just do. Somebody tries something. For the first time. And they like it. And some of these drugs are so addictive that even if they just want to see what it's like, that takes them down a rabbit hole. Exactly. Exactly. And then you Mm -hmm. you have to do your best to prevent it and be there for your kids if they make what could be a life-changing mistake exactly
1: I mean I've always told my kids that it only takes one time to be addicted mm-hmm. to cocaine
0: exactly heroin these things that mm-hmm. are so addictive mm-hmm. which is so sad mm-hmm. and, and it has to be instilled in, in in your kids is you know I had a friend uh, who did drink not so much underage but did smoke pot and never tried cocaine and i was surprised and i asked him why and he said because i know that i like the things i have tried Mm -hmm. and it scares me that i would be addicted to it if i tried it yeah so kids just have to have that inner strength to know you know if i do this i might like it and even though that could be fun it is dangerous could ruin my life Mm -hmm. and we personally have known people who have died from drug Mm -hmm. overdose oh yeah And
1: everyone from nice, normal families. It can happen anywhere.
0: Yep. It doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. You can have the perfect family, and it only takes one try. Exactly. And kids, teenagers are curious, and they're exploring their environment, and things are easy to get. So easy to get. You know, kids know. Even if they're not, isn't it easier to get drugs than drinking alcohol right now? I think so. You every every high school kid knows exactly who in their high school to go to to get anything they want. Yep even if they're not friends with those kids, they know who to ask for what. Exactly. They all know. Ask your kids. They all know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they will know mm-hmm. for sure.
0: Um
1: but yeah, I just it, it is. I think when you cuz I've heard people say like, "Oh, my son is quiet. He's always been quiet." And all of a sudden later on, come high school, mm-hmm. they find out their son's a heroin yes. addict. And you know what? Something else talking about trust is that there is nothing wrong for you to go through your kid's room. Oh, absolutely not. You, it's your house. It's your house. It's your you rules. pay the bills. It's Give your me a house. break. There should be nothing. When mm-hmm. I heard, I remember they had a police officer come into the high school talking about, like, when they started freshman year. Like, it's okay to snoop in your kid's room because if you find this, they're giving us clues of what you can find, then you'll know that they're doing heroin. I'm going,
0: mm-hmm. and again, you
1: hear people say, well, I can't do that. I'm like, yes,
0: you can. Even on their phones, you have the right to know your kid's passwords, To everything.
1: Everyone should have enough trust Uh in their family that you can hand over the phone, go through my room. There should be no, like, oh, you can't check my room or you can't do this because they're they're hiding something.
0: I was going to say, if they're rebelling against that, there's a reason why. Mm -hmm. And they're living in your house. Yep. Until they're old enough to have their own apartment, their own car, be financially independent, you call the shots. And it doesn't matter if they're 16, 18, 22. Right. You have a parental role. In your children's lives. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Parenting doesn't stop the day they turn 18. No. But it doesn't start when they turn 18 either.
1: And... The other thing is that parenting an 8-year-old is not the same as parenting an 18-year-old because exactly. when they're 8, you're you you're teaching them and you're protecting them. When they're 18, then it's just advice. Exactly. You're,
0: you're giving mm-hmm. them advice and trying to guide them to make the right decision, but ultimately, it is their choice. Exactly, but you can't start giving them that advice exactly. when they're 18. You have to start when they're 8 with those choices that are simple and, and silly about what sweater to wear. Exactly. And then they know that... You're going to offer them suggestions and that then they have to make their own responsible decisions exactly. and that they learn that when they're eight, if they say, no, I want to wear a short sleeve shirt, let them once. They're not going to freeze to death.
1: Yeah. They're not you going know, to die. They're they not to going wear to wear shorts right. to school.
0: Who cares? Lesson learned. You were cold today. Exactly. Next time. Maybe you'll listen when I tell you to make a better choice. Exactly. Yeah. And I think those things play a huge part in raising teenagers. Yeah. Because Absolutely. if you don't have that going into it, you can't start it. Because there's no listen. way
1: there's no way you can discipline a teenager, right because if you sit there and you tell them that I'm going to take your phone away I'm going to do this I'm going to do that I'm grounding you, that stuff doesn't work exactly those the parents who I have seen ground their kids or take their their kids' phone away mm-hmm usually are the worst of the worst because they're constantly rebelling. Yes. They're constantly resenting Mm -hmm. their parents. Exactly. You know, I had someone call me once who said, what do you do when your daughter breaks her curfew? I go, there is no curfew.
0: Exactly. There's
1: no curfew. Mm -hmm. And they're like, how could you do that? I go, first of all, she's a senior in high school. And in in a year, she's not going to be living under my
0: roof. She's better know what to make the right decision. So. Kind of like we were saying. But you taught them how to text you and let you know where they were in middle school. So probably by senior year, she knows to tell you where she is and when she'll be home. And if she's running late, she knows she has to tell you. Exactly. I'm assuming that's happened.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or she'll say like or to kind of like to the point of, okay, I'm going to be home around midnight. Okay, it's midnight. She's not home. Texting. Oh, sorry, mom, running late, dropping someone else off first at home. I'm going to, I'll be, so I'll be home at 1215 or 1220.
0: Exactly. That's fine.
1: Exactly. Again, it's communication. Right. You know, it's, I Mm -hmm. think it's,
0: it's mutual respect. Yes. Right. I'm going to quote my mom from the day I turned 16. She handed me the car keys and she did the same thing to my brother two years later. I can picture the keys dangling in my face. And she said, your freedom ends when my worry begins. There you go. I was sixteen years old. I had total control. I had my own car. I had the keys. Right. I had a part time job. I had some money at sixteen yeah. enough to go out. Um and but I knew what that meant because right. my whole life I grew up knowing how important that trust was. Right. So I knew that It didn't
1: just happen that day. Right.
0: She didn't just say, Now all of a sudden I'm expecting this out of you. My right. whole life she expected that right. out of us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we both had a lot of fun in high school. Yeah. We we never we're later than we said. If we were, we called. Now it's texting or whatever. Right, exactly. But my mom had expectations our whole entire childhood, and right. it just was a smooth transition into when we were out independent, driving at night, being right. out with friends, going to parties. If you start it when they're little, it's not that difficult when they're older because it's part of the system already. Exactly. It's already embedded in them. Mm-hmm. So,
1: all right. Well, we hope you enjoyed our podcast today and we will talk to
0: you again soon.